you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Good morning, I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone on Voice America, voiceamerica.com women. We're on the Women's Channel. How are you this morning? And I'm here with my co-host, Lauren Beller. She is the, uh, my business coach. And how are you this morning, Lauren? I am excellent, Catherine. How are you? I am doing fine. Uh, what do you think of our guest this morning? I'm really excited about one of my girlfriend's emails emailed me this morning, Lauren, at, well, I would say, uh, you know, about 6 o'clock this morning, and she said, oh, I really want to listen to your show, because this, <laughs> this applies to me. Now, she didn't tell me exactly how it applies to her, but she said, you know, if I don't get to hear it, you know, because she's a psychologist, she's working, she said, I'm definitely going to uh, go back and, and uh, hear it in the archives. So, what do you think? Uh, you know, it's, I'm glad to hear it. This is, your show is always something to listen to, even if you, you have to go archive it. Yes. <laughs> and believe me, everybody, go archive it if you don't get the opportunity to listen to it this morning, because we do have great guests. One of the returning guests, actually, I don't know if you remember her, Lauren, but Kathleen Archambault, Climbing the Corporate Ladder in High Heels, which you was know, a yeah, fantastic... Go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm always interrupting you. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't remember her, so I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, well, she's got this great book. This is a very different uh, perspective. She's written an essay in uh, Victoria Zackheim's new book, and this is an anthology, the title of which is The Other Woman, 21 Wives, Lovers, and Others Talk Openly About Sex, Deception, Love, and Betrayal. Now, these are very famous or very well-known women, names that you will recognize who have written their stories, either... They are the other woman, or they are the wife, or they've been both. Uh, interesting stories. Kathleen is a is an author, and as I said, she wrote Climbing the Corporate Ladder in High Heels. She's written one of the essays in this book, Seized. She is a coach. She's coached and trained and taught and worked with more than 20,000 corporate warriors, not just in the United States, but in three continents. And she's a university professor, teaches organizational behavior at the University of San Francisco. And the editor and author of the book is Victoria Zackheim. Victoria is a writer, a book editor, and an instructor for the UCLA Writers Program. She's the editor of two anthologies. So welcome to the show, ladies. Nice to have you on this morning. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you. Good morning. I have you both out there on the West Coast, I guess. I yes, don't know. You do. Yeah, terrific. You, you have one of us with laryngitis. Hey, oh. <clears throat> well, you're doing pretty well, and if you lose your voice, who has the laryngitis? Victoria. Victoria. Victoria, Victoria is the one who's croaking. Okay. She's the one with the dulcet tones. All right. So do I have to talk? I'll just talk. No, I, well, I'm going to talk to both of you. I, well, I have a great big glass of water here. That, I hope you have that, too. But. I'm drinking a big mug of hot tea, and I should be fine in about five minutes. Terrific. Great. Well, very interesting book. I mean, I, you, you know, I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lots of interesting stories. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, I read one of the reviews, Victoria, and it said, well, you know, it's such a great book because each story is, obviously is a story in and of itself. So you can read one story, one essay, put it down, and then just think about it, let it seep in, and then go on to the next one. Absolutely. This is yeah. one of the shocks that I had when I when I asked the authors to submit their their essays, they were all all but one were written specifically for this book. And when they started coming in, I think Warner was concerned that we were going to get a lot of similar stories. And um, 
we had 21 stories that came in, all true, all completely different. But is there a unifying theme in any of these stories, would you say? Can you pick out one unifying theme? You can, either you or Kathleen, what do you think? Uh, well, I, 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 Kathleen might have a different idea than I do about this, but I think the unifying thing is the need for women to be able to figure out what it is they want in life, what, what, they, what they deserve to have, what our worth is, especially when we are the, the, the wife uh, who's sitting there listening to the story of the husband or the boyfriend or the girlfriend going off with somebody else. And, and so there's a sense of having to know ourselves and, and trust ourselves and respect ourselves. Kathleen, what do you think? Do you have, uh, I mean, the same kind of, is that how you see it in terms of the, the anthology? Well, what I found interesting, Catherine, is as I was reading through the essays of my co-writers in this anthology of 21 authors, there was a certain resonance and some of the same feelings I had when I first discovered that my ex-partner was seeing another woman was very, very similar to how other people discovered it. It was a shock. It was a, a deception. It was a betrayal. And whether you were straight or gay, you both felt that same sense of being upended in your life. And what about that whole sense of trust? I mean, do you think... I mean, I mean, to me, uh, and I could go into my own personal stories. Probably, I think every woman who reads this is either has been in one position or another. She's someone's daughter, mother, friend, confidant, etc. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, when you found out, uh, Kathleen, um, what'd you do? Well, I really sort of went into hiding for about seven months and into major grief really because I had been with my ex-partner 14 years we were the power couple the lesbian poster children and everyone including us thought it would be forever and so when when my ex-partner left and there were some complicating factors if you read the essay with seizure disorder but when she left it was a, it was a total sea change in my life, and as such, it was a good thing. I I know that's going to sound strange, but this is 10 years later. It was a good thing in that it caused me to re-examine all of who I was, all of what I had done in my life, and what I wanted to do going forward. Were you completely surprised? I mean, was this something that just came out of the blue? I mean, you hear this so often, and people will say... Well, you must have had some idea that he or she were leaving you. There must have been some signs you weren't, you didn't pick up on them. You know, you were in denial, and it wasn't something that really just happened out of the blue. That this person who you've known, you said for 14 years, and you're the poster uh, couple. Um, like, is it? At some point, sometimes they end up blaming the victim, you. Right, and and I don't. Uh, by that, to tell you the truth, because in my situation, just two weeks before my ex-partner told me she was in love with another woman, she had sent me a card saying, with two older ladies in a Paris bench, and saying, I can think of no one I'd rather grow old together with than you. (laughs) And on that same note, um, if you remember Mary Jo Eustace's... uh, essay about being left by her husband for Tori Spelling. 
she has the, the most wonderful line in it. She says, looking back, it's funny the things you notice just before your life is about to change. Nothing. And that is something that came up over and over again in these stories, especially for the women who, whose, whose partners left them for somebody else, that there was not that sense of, I knew it was coming. It was like a, you know, a bolt out of the, out of the blue and, um, and just leveled these women. Victoria, how? Why did you decide to write the book? I mean, what was what was your motivation for writing this book? For getting these ladies together, writing their stories, telling their stories. You know, it's one of those sort of fluky things. I was in the car one day and I heard on the radio somebody talking about the other woman, and I I thought that it would be a wonderful anthology. And the irony is that I've never been the other woman, and I don't think my husband was ever unfaithful. We I've been divorced for many years, but. Um, but as you said before, you know, we, our, our friends, our neighbors, our, we all know somebody who's either, who's either been the other woman or has suffered the other woman. And so I certainly have enough friends who have gone through this on both sides. And, and my first thought was, if, I were, if I'm going to do something like this, which is kind of out of character for me, um, I want to make sure that I get the, the best writers I can who, who really understand that this is not just a fluttery kind of chick-lit book but it's going to be a, a book of very, very well thought out, uh, very impactful personal essays. And, uh, and by the way, they all signed contracts saying that what they were writing was true. So um, I went to an agent, <clears throat> and she said, I love the idea, get the authors. And I got put together about uh, maybe a dozen authors at first. And, um, and we pitched it, and it was, it was a huge hit. So. What made you choose one author over the other? I mean, obviously you wanted to have different stories and different perspectives, um, but, uh, you know, what were some of the criteria for choosing the authors? Well, that's interesting that you ask, because I asked quite a few authors I'd never met. I didn't know if Jane Smiley or Susan Cheever or Lynn Freed or Diana Abu-Jaber or Caroline Levitt or any of these top authors um, have had, had had these experiences. So I sent out a message to them saying, listen, I'm putting together this anthology. If you've ever been the other woman or, you know, or, you've, or you've been harmed by the other woman and you're interested in writing honestly about it, uh, I have the anthology for you. And uh, Catherine Weber came back and said, well, I haven't been on either side, but my father had mistresses and they had a very, very profound effect on my life. Uh, and I had another woman, Maxine Layton, who came to me and said, listen, I became the other woman at the age of six because of sexual abuse. I'd like to write about it. And, uh, and my own experience was being a divorced woman with a divorced man whose ex-wife kind of hovered over us. He hadn't seen her for many years, but he had never really dealt with the divorce. And, and so it was unfinished business that was my other woman. And so we put together this, I, I, this anthology of very different women with very different perspectives. But the criteria was not, when I contacted them, was not that they had had the experience. I contacted them based on who they were as authors. Do you think the stories would have been different? I mean, you chose authors. Mm -hmm. um, if you had chosen different kinds of women from different professions, for yes. instance, if you doctors or lawyers or secretaries, uh, it would have been a very different anthology. Very different. I would have had a lot more editing work to do, too, probably. <laughs> this but, was a piece uh, of cake. Well, you might as well choose the best, best authors, listen, right? These are the top, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and the other thing, too, is that we had to sell the book. And in order to sell the book, you had to have authors in there who... The because we were selling it without any essays. Only one essay had been written prior to the prior to the book's creation, and that was Danny Shapiro's. And um, so we used her essay as a sample, and uh, and then basically gave a quick background. The, the publishers the 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 book was actually going to auction, 
And the day before the auction, uh, several of the editors came to us and said, we want an idea of what these women are writing about. And my agent said, can you put something together quickly? And I said, no, I have no idea what they're writing about. <laughs> but they told me they have had this experience, so I know that they're going to write about that. I know they're going to write brilliantly. And, of course, the other thing is that they had all sent me emails saying, yes, I'll do it. But none of the emails said, yes, thank you very much for the offer. One said, oh, sweet revenge. And one said, oh, I, couldn't, I could never write this. It's just too personal. Well, wait a second. Let me think about, oh, the heck with it. The bastards got it coming. <laughs> and so I sent the, uh, we sent the uh, editors their email responses. And between those email, email responses and Danny Shapiro's essay, the book sold. Yeah, fantastic. It's a great book. And also, I want to know the connection because we have Victoria here, obviously. I mean, we have Kathleen here, one of the authors, and, and uh, you know, how you made that connection with hers. Hers is a lesbian relationship, heterosexual relationships. Was there a difference? Why did you choose Kathleen's story uh, over others? Uh, we've only got a minute left of the break, so why don't we wait, answer that question when we come back. It's Kathleen Archambault and Victoria Zakheim author and editor, and we're discussing their book, The Other Woman, 21 Wives, Lovers, and Others Talk Openly About Sex, Deception, Love, and Betrayal. You're listening to The Catherine Zock Show. I'm Catherine Zock, your social worker with the microphone on Voice America, voiceamerica.com, Women with Lauren Beller. Talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. I have three children, and I've been raising my 16-year-old sister. Mary Gallagher and her family shared a two-bedroom apartment with eight people. Now Habitat for Humanity is helping her build a simple, decent, affordable home of her own. When we first found out that we were getting a Habitat home, it was like a dream. I kept saying, don't anybody wake me up. Not only is Mary helping build her own home, she'll buy it with a no-profit, zero-interest mortgage to keep it affordable. Habitat came out and built my home, and when Mary started building her house, I wanted to come out and give a hand. We're not just building Mary's house, we're building a neighborhood. There's several more to be built this year, and I look forward to working on each of their houses and seeing the joy of their face when they open the door to their brighter future. Habitat for Humanity. Building homes, changing lives. Support the work in your community. Visit Habitat.org. I feel very blessed. God has answered all of my prayers. We are home. Ladies, are you looking for a place where you can talk candidly about anything and everything? Well, here it is. Timeless Women Speak on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll talk about sexuality, age-proofing your career, finding your passion and purpose, keeping your brain power, keeping your marriage fresh, dating for grown-ups, plastic surgery, surviving our beauty culture, and much more. Tune in Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific to Timeless Women Speak with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly on the Voice America Women's Channel. Radio that talks with you, not at you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. I'm Catherine Zox. 
and you're listening to the Catherine Stock Show on VoiceAmerica.com Women. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Joining me this morning is Kathleen Archambault and Victoria Zakheim, and they're discussing their book, The Other Woman, 21 Wives, Lovers, and Others Talk Openly About Sex, Deception, Love, and Betrayal. And before we took the break, Kathleen, I kind of wanted to turn the conversation to you because... Uh, how did you connect with Victoria? You had a special story. Yours is, you know, there is a whole variety of obviously essays in this book: heterosexual relationships, lesbian relationships. Yours was, as you said, you were the poster child for a 14-year lesbian relationship. Um, is that how Victoria found you? No, Victoria <laughs> found me much sooner and much many more years before that. Actually, Victoria was doing freelance writing for me when I was an executive at Hewlett Packard. <laughs> the tables are turned. Well, and rightly so. Her editing uh really humbled and strengthened my writing. So I'm delighted and grateful for the level of work that she did then and the level of work that she does now. Now the book has been described and I you know I I, I have seen a lot of testimonials, uh, but one one um, one of the uh, persons who had read the book said, "Well, you know, maybe it's too personal, it's too raw, it's too taboo, uh, maybe too scary for some of us to read." And yet, this is something. This topic, I mean, I think has affect it does affect women every day in all of our lives, and it always has. It's it's everywhere. Um, do you think that by writing this book or writing the or by putting these essays together, Victoria, that you will help perhaps women to think about when they're deciding to have an affair with their next door neighbor's husband that they may stop and not do it? I've had very interesting responses on that line. Um, I've had a lot of emails. Many came from women who were already in affairs or whose husbands had had affairs on both sides. Writing, some of them wrote literally 10, 15 page long uh, emails to me. The ones who had had affairs about the regret they had had or trying to justify what they were doing. And to all of them, I said, listen, I, I'm not a therapist. I really can't advise you. Um, iVillage has a, has a section where women can go and talk about this. I, I suggest you do that or, or see a therapist. But um, I, listen, what isn't discussed on radio or television today? I mean, what isn't out there for everybody to see? So there's certainly no secret anymore about about infidelity, the um, the, the very essence of infidelity. And the other thing is, is that we always think of infidelity as being sexual. And one of the things that I, I'm hearing about over and over again, and we discussed this on the Today Show a few weeks ago, was that emotional infidelity for some is far more threatening. Uh, the 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 act of jumping into bed with somebody is one thing, but sharing your heart and your soul with someone who's not your mate. And you know, Victoria, I think, and I don't know if this has been your experience Mm -hmm. or or Kathleen's, but with the Internet, um, there are a lot of situations, you talk about this emotional infidelity, uh, writing back and forth, emailing someone, maybe even halfway across the world, but sharing all these intimate experiences. And uh, I actually had a friend who had that happen to her with Mm -hmm. her husband. And she felt devastated. He was writing to this woman, you know, I mean, really the intimate details of their relationship, that was infidelity. Absolutely. The worst kind of infidelity, I think, because because it's a it, that emotional betrayal and spiritual betrayal and and I when I when I did do this thing on television one of the women came to me afterwards and said, "You know, my husband and I divorced because he was texting a woman 
and he and he wouldn't stop. It almost became like an obsession. It was an obsession, yeah. for, and and it was an affair. It was an intense verbal affair that had nothing to do with sex, and she could not deal with it. Yeah, so you're right. I think sometimes that emotional stuff is much more compelling uh, than a one night stand when somebody you know uh, either you know was traveling and you know has an affair with somebody not even an affair but sleeping with somebody once is very different than having this ongoing emotional relationship yes. and sh- yeah sharing the details um it's interesting um okay what are, you know but one of the things i think also the themes of the of the of all of these essays that um is surviving but surviving with dignity and how do you do that and i know mm. a lot of women struggle with that they just can't let go of it yes well you know i think that Kathleen can talk about this as well, and um, because when her when her partner left, it was devastating. But and I was and I knew Kathleen, and we were friends, and we've been friends for many years. Uh, and and I I watched her over the the following year put the pieces back together. And I mean, this is she, you talk about being a poster child. She was a poster child for being for doing this with dignity, because there's a grieving process that takes place. You can't help but to grieve when a relationship has ended. Even a bad relationship has ended. There's, there seems to be a grieving process. And how you... How yeah, you it's the loss. It, it, I think it's a, it's a death. It's a death of the relationship. And well, you go through those five stages, those Kubler-Ross stages, absolutely, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, fortunately, we don't all have to go through what Mary Jo Eustace went through when her husband left her for Tori Spelling. We don't have to have it screamed out in the tabloids. And have people have the paparazzi standing at your door flashing pictures at your children. Well, what about Hillary Clinton? When I was reading that, I thought about, well, what about Hillary? I mean, you talk about that. Isn't that, I mean, at the time, is that's really kind of the ultimate exposure and how she handled it. Oh, absolutely. And I think that the women in this country who were furious at, at Bill Clinton were furious at Bill Clinton, not so much for what he did, but how indiscreet the whole thing had been and the fact that he had ripped his family apart in the process. And, uh, you know, we, and of course we have our heroes, too. We have people we look up to. We assume they're going to be respectable, moral people. And when they're not, whether it's our president of the United States or our minister or our rabbi or, or our mate. But is uh, that unrealistic expectations? And I have to ask both of you that. I mean, just because they're heroes, they're well-known. Actually, men in power traditionally are men who have affairs. Absolutely. Men who, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Yes, I think we overreact terribly in this country about things like that. But... Uh, you have to remember too that when there when there was a, <clears throat> a Democrat in power, it was easy for the Republicans to come after him. Then they finally had something to really scream about. And were it turned the other way around, I'm sure that uh, had it been a Republican president, the Democrats, I'm sure would have had a lot of fun with it. They would have done the same thing. But yeah. okay, we, now but we have Kathleen, and you are somewhat of a, a celebrity. Mm-hmm. It happened to you. How did you get through it? I mean, how did you? How? Because I think that's what women want to hear how did you get through it when you know you found out that your partner was with another woman i mean and and do it with dignity well first of all i didn't stay in the relationship once i was betrayed and once it was clear to me that my ex-partner had no intention of repairing or trying to work on our relationship or on whatever led to the infidelity so there's a dignity in that right off the top, uh, separating and not staying in a relationship where you're not honored as the one, for example. I think that's a, a really good point because in my experience as a social worker and having friends who have been in that situation, 
somehow the victim tends to want to continue being the victim and trying to be better and trying to if they could if they could just do things you know if they were better did things you know for the other person and it really becomes kind of oftentimes an ugly situation before they will just be ready to to let go and say goodbye so so that i think the clean break for me yeah. really helped but i think that as victoria alluded to the grieving process was something I couldn't avoid. You know, the best way around it is through it. And so I, I really did sink into the grief, the depression. I mean, for the first time practically in my life, I couldn't get up in the morning. I had trouble getting to work. I had, uh, I had many supportive colleagues at work. In fact, ironically, there was a guy who sat next to me in my Silicon Valley high technology company and every morning he had been divorced and every morning he came to my whiteboard and wrote a graph of where he thought I was (laughs) and just that was so sweet and encouraging you know that there was an end to this process for example but but Kathleen you were not embarrassed to tell your friends your colleagues you didn't hide not at all, um, because of the fact that finally in my career I was out in my company, which was a very progressive company near Berkeley, California. So that was a blessing. The other thing is I was very successful in my company, and so people did cut me a little slack. One of the things I learned about divorce is in law firms, when a partner is going through a divorce, in the biggest law firms, the general partners take that lawyer off the big cases for a year because they assume it will take him or her a year to get over the divorce. And I would posit that it takes a year to get over the worst part of the divorce and another year to reintegrate into a new life. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you. And I think this, to get over the divorce, you're right, a year... But it's really an ongoing thing, isn't it? I think especially if you have children, if there are other uh, other factors involved, because then it's always something that you're adjusting to. Well, there's you know there there's the that ter- when there are children involved, the sense of deception just is ratcheted up so high that you know the if you are a woman who's been left and you're sitting there with these children, um, it's a devastating experience to to try to figure out where your life's going to go from that point forward and try to keep all of the positive thoughts in your head that your life can move in a good direction rather than fall into a deep hole. Because if you have children, you know that it's hard enough to, when you're when you're going through some kind of a, a tragedy, which that can be, um, to keep your own emotional self in a sense of, of stasis and then try to take care of your children at the same time and, and in fact put them first leaves very little for you in terms of your own emotional healing. So what advice would you give to women who are listening now, both of you? Maybe we have two minutes left. You know, start with Kathleen and then Victoria. What would you say what could, who are going through this? Number one, I would seek support from like-minded individuals, whether it's in group support or your church or your synagogue or your clubs or the things that have given you joy in your life and emotional support continue to reach out to those people even if you feel like a broken record. So Good I advice. would do that. The okay. Second, we got now Victoria, we have a minute left, so <laughs> <laughs> the 
Give well, it. you know, I go. I keep hearkening back to Jane Smiley's yeah, essay okay. when when she when she realized that that the man she loved um, was was still loving somebody else, and she said, you know, this woman has great sex appeal, and all I had was a whirlpool bath and a good recipe for pork stew with fennel. I, I think we have to know who we are. I think we have to have a really strong sense of of, of what we have a right to have in our lives in terms of happiness. The, these things are going to happen. We cannot stop somebody we're with falling in love with somebody else. We can't and control somebody else, but we do have control. Absolutely, as, as over what happens to us. And I think yes. for women, the the key is our own dignity. Great. Great advice from both of you. Thanks so much. And Thank I want you. to uh, make sure that uh, listeners can go. They can purchase the book online, bookstores everywhere. Kathleen Archambault, Victoria Zakheim, The Other Woman, 21 Wives, Lovers, and Others Talk Openly About Sex, Deception, Love, and Betrayal. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, great to have you both. You're listening to Catherine Zox, the social worker with a microphone, on Voice America, voiceamerica.com. Women, we'll be back in a minute. radio that informs, entertains, and enlightens you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Inner Health Through Homeopathy, hosted by Melissa Birch, CCH, with Dr. Tim Stryker. This show features a weekly discussion about homeopathy, a holistic approach to health care, which treats ailments by bringing the entire body into balance. Homeopathy encompasses and examines the makeup of the entire person instead of focusing solely on a disease or ailment. The healing process involves physical, mental, and emotional changes which come from a wellness within. Homeopathic remedies go far beyond an alleviation of symptoms. They can restore harmony to the body and open paths to a higher level of awareness. Each week, Melissa Birch, CCH, explores a different health issue and individual healing processes with Tim Stryker, MD. Tune in every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for inner health through homeopathy. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desk, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt U.S. Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. For the most current and up-to-date information and options in childbearing, family health, and parenting, tune in to Celeste Ranese's Timely Topics in Childbirth, broadcasting every Wednesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. If you don't know your options, you don't have any. Finally, radio that has real depth. Voice America Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. I'm 
Catherine Fox. Welcome back. You're a social worker with a microphone on Voice America, voiceamerican.com women. What did you think, Lauren? I just think it's a great topic, and I love your questions about Hillary. Yes, just such um, controversial thinking about it, and not in a bad way, but there's lots of facets to this issue, so much. And I'm imagining that those 21 women, just writing the stories was a healing process in and of itself. Yeah, well, didn't she say one of them said, well, I can't do it at first? Exactly. Like, well, you know what? Revenge, right? I'm going to get that story out. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the whole, it, it's humiliating. Who is, I, I have been through the, been through this process with so many of my girlfriends. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't think it's anything that's going to go away because human nature being the way it is, uh, people have affairs. That's just the way it is. I actually think that it's... There are more, and I think statistically this will, this is true. Uh, more women are having affairs than than men, or they're catching up with men. I, you know, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but statistically, that if you ask women, you know, how many have had affairs, I think I don't know. It's like sixty percent of married women, men. It's seventy-five to eighty percent. It's amazing. Well, yeah. even if you think about it, who's there has to be having affairs with someone, huh? Right. Well, they're having affairs with the same woman. Who knows? Well, no, but they're having affairs that could be with single women. It could be. Women, yeah. It could right? be. It maybe. Exactly. And well, maybe yeah. not. All right. So we're talking about differences between men and women. So this is perfect segue into my next guest, uh, who is Dr. David Egan. He's a PhD. He's a transpersonal psychologist from Delphi University in Georgia, and he is has. Well, he's a past life regression therapist and advanced clinical hypnotherapist. So he, uh, he's the expert on men. He's written a big book called Men, the Gods of Love. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Dr. Egan. Thank you for having me. It's Egan, just so you know. Oh, Egan. Thank you. <laughs> Dr. Egan. Okay, well, we, can we call you David? Sure. Uh, okay, you can call me Catherine. All right, man, The Gods of Love, interesting book. Uh, talk to us about uh, what are we going to learn if, we, you know, The Gods of Love, I know it, it, the purpose of the book is to reveal the myths, the illusions, all these false beliefs that we have and the outright lies that shape the masculine energy. Uh, so um, men become what we want them to be or what we tell them they should be. Is that it? Correct, exactly. They, and and what it's not what we, it's what society, what the patriarchal a model for thinking or paradigm says it's supposed to be. For example, we've all heard this saying, big boys don't cry. Well, you know, you, you tell a, a, a boy he's not supposed to cry, supposed to suck it in, be a man, and you, t- and you turn off his ability to grieve. Um, you know, and, and you turn, you know, when was the last time you t- heard a man saying, I'm feeling lonely and scared, and hold me? Uh, well, the man I go with. <laughs> Do you? Okay. I've well. heard it many times. Well, I'm divorced, and I have a a partner of, of 20 years, and he he does say that. Although you're right, there is something when I hear him saying that, even with my ex husband. That oh, don't say that. It's too scary for me to hear you say that you're afraid. Uh, even yeah. though that you know, I raised three boys, and I wasn't a mother who said don't cry because I definitely was very, very concerned about that. Just what you're talking about. Boys have to right. express their feelings. But uh, do you think it's changing? Well, it is changing, but it, it you know you got to remember, even you, you, you might have told your sons it's okay to cry, but when they went to the schoolyard and wanted to cry, you better believe that uh, they were ridiculed for that. All right, so and they were so, saying, yeah, okay, so if you, it's okay if, at home, but you're right. What society says may be something entirely different. Exactly, and we all get those messages of what's correct and what isn't, and what happens is it shuts men's feelings down, and 
Hence, you have a, a situation where, you know, men's heritage is to be the god to love, and the reality is that they've been told, shut your feelings down. It's real difficult to be a god of love without feelings. So, what do and we do? What's we're we do? David? Excuse me? Yeah, I said, so what do we do? How do we change that? Oh, uh, well, you know, the first step is, is it, it sounds simple. <laughs> it's anything but simple. It's never simple, <laughs> even if it sounds simple. Exactly. It's simply to allow men to have feelings and for men to allow themselves and say it's okay to have feelings. Now, that said, you know, uh, there, there, you know, there is no magic wand. You can't go, okay, now you have feelings. It's, well, you've been trained for whatever amount of years you've been alive to not have feelings, and you're going to go through a process, and it is a process, and you have to recognize that where you're going to kind of crawl and then you're going to learn to walk. And what men need besides permission from themselves is permission from their women. And women, you know, as you even said, you know, it, it, you hear it from men when they say those things and you're, there's a part of you that cringes. Well, there are lots of women that, you know, are very uh, clear that, you no, know, you're supposed to be the rock and, my, and I'm supposed to be able to depend on you and you're not supposed to be that way. And But meanwhile, I want you to be sensitive and feeling to me. <laughs> and so you know, the man is going, uh, uh, well, how do I do that? <laughs> and, of course... He, he doesn't. He does. He's never going to do it right, at least. And uh, well, what do you, know, you say to those people who say we're going to make sissies out of these guys? You know, the feminization of men—they're uh, just not going to be able to, uh, you know, do what they have to do as husbands and fathers. And 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 if we start letting them talk about their feelings and be touchy feely, uh, it's just not going to be. Uh, you know, something positive that we're doing. What do you say to that? Because that that very often, and we talk metrosexuals, and you'll hear men getting and, and women getting really upset about that. Um. I, I totally do not support the term metrosexual. Uh, I'm not a metrosexual. And, um, and so metrosexual is a, is a word that means that it's a straight man who dresses and acts like a gay. Uh, I have no no interest in my life in ever having that fit my model. Um, that being said, and we, I think we've just talked out metrosexual, there's no reason I can't be a, a very powerful, loving man and at the same time be able to be draw upon my compassion and my empathy and my feelings so that I can be more sensitive um, and, and feel more. But, you know, I can go even further with that. I've got something, if you wouldn't mind, it'll seem like we're going off for a second, but we're really not. Well, I'll and cut you a, off if we do. <laughs> okay. Go well, ahead. It's, a little, it's a little short thing from a, a little pamphlet I picked up from, um, it was called ForgottenSoldiersOutreach.org, and they send out these little care packages to our soldiers. And these soldiers write back, and they had a little blurb on the back. And a very interesting uh, response from uh, when I picked this up, I just about fell over because it was like, oh, my God, this is exactly what I'm saying. And here's what he said. It's two sentences. I, uh, three. I don't know what to say. I'm speechless. He almost got a, t- a tear out of my eye, but I sucked it back in. I can't let my men see that. What will they think? And this was Sergeant Matthew Nelman in uh, Iraq. And, you know, here's my answer to that. You know, they, we have this view that if men have feelings, they're going to be bad soldiers, bad whatever husbands, but in reality it's just the opposite because men have those feelings. No matter what you do, men have feelings. They're human beings. So what happens is they have to take all of this energy that is the feelings and and use extra energy to contain it, to repress it. So we're walking around spending energy continuously trying to imprison our feelings and hold them back in, which are like pressure cookers within us. And we've all seen men who walk around looking like they're pressure cookers. And the the feelings are in there, and what happens is it detracts from the being. So if you look at it just from simply as a soldier, 
how would you, which would be a better soldier? A soldier who has access to his whole being and can make decisions and everything based on his whole entire being, or someone who's all bottled up with repressed emotions ready to explode? Yeah, well, the next question, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about it, kind of bringing it back here to, to like, all the violence that's going on in our schools. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I mean, it seems to me, kind of going along with what you're saying, maybe this is a part of it. You know, you have all this repressed uh, as you say, these repressed feelings have to go somewhere, and they end up in this kind of angry, aggressive, uh, inappropriate kind of behavior in schools. Bullying, for instance. Correct. And that's you know that's their way of dealing with the fact that you know of their own energy and emotions. Maybe their grief, they were mistreated, whatever it is, then they can't express it. They're feeling lonely, and the only emotion men are allowed, which happens to be the emotion that women are basically not allowed, is anger. And so men use anger to express all of those other feelings, and it it comes out. So when you see an angry man, he's probably grieving, but he doesn't know how to grieve because he's not even allowed to grieve or even think that he has that because that would make him less of a man in the present paradigm. And I think it's just the opposite. If a man was able to grieve and release those things, he would be a much bigger man, a much better man, better soldier, better husband, better, uh, you know, uh, employee, employer, a human being. He would and be much a stronger emotionally, much stronger. He would Absolutely. have a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. And I agree with you. And I'm sort of thinking about the other side, like w- with women not being able to express their anger, which is just the opposite. But they still mm-hmm. are angry, so they stuff those feelings in. And I think what happens to women is they become manipulative. And both of those Absolutely. things are not good in ter- for relation men and women in terms of their relationships. Right. You, it's, women do the, uh, oh, honey, it's wonderful. And meanwhile, behind your back, the knife's going in. Yeah, <laughs> and and that's the you know and and you know I watch this. I have two teenage daughters, and and they you know have talked to me about what they've seen in the women in school, and they got God, women are they're so backstabbing and catty and this that and the other thing, and they're and I'm you know and, and it's because that's their anger with their issues of life that they're not allowed to express. So you know what? Here's the truth about emotions: it's going to come out whether you like it or not. So you might as well let it come out fresh and clean and get rid of it because if you repress it. It actually doesn't fully come out, so it stays in there. But meanwhile, it's going to find twisted means of expression, and it's going to ruin yours and everybody else's life around you. So, Dr. Eichen, we have to learn how to, and I think you, you have to start with the young people, don't we? We have to start in when they're younger. Absolutely. Well, the young people would be a great place to start so that they don't have to heal anything. But I'm also talking to the people, for example, uh, I'm 56, and, you know, what about people, you know, 40s and what 50s? What about people are, like us? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we what might be us? around for another 50 years. Who knows? Exactly. And yeah. and so how about, you know, how about the fact that I get to have a life and, and figure out what that means, and I'm stuck in uh, either I'm dating continuously or I'm not, or I'm in relationships that don't fulfill me. Or I'm I'm uh, in a job that doesn't fulfill me, and I'm just feeling uh, unfulfilled about life. And uh, and of course, you know, I'm doing the right thing that I was told to do. So I uh, here I am. I'm doing it. So it must be the world, the woman, the whatever that's at fault. And it's it's unfortunately it's our inability to feel that hurts us. And so what I'm I'm not looking for men to be feminized. I'm I am looking for them to take back on their feelings. And and then we can we can answer. A, uh, a quandary that women have, and this is a very interesting one uh, conversation I had with my do- my daughters, and um, I'm sure you're going to be shocked to hear this, but there are some women who believe that men only want sex. Are you I, shocked? I'm shocked, and on I that note, I am so shocked. We're going to have to go to break. 
Okay. Men, we'll talk and we'll be next. back. We'll be back yes. with Dr. David Eigen, men, and he's the author of Men, the Gods of Love. And you're listening to The Catherine Zock Show, your social worker with a microphone on voiceamerica.com, Voice America Women. Talking about what you care about. News, relationships, health, finances. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Tired of those fad diets and exercise routines that you don't stick with? Want to find a better way to incinerate fat and energize your life without those worthless pills or gimmicks? Then tune in every Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific to Fitness Truth with host Zach Hunt and A.J. Roberts. Achieve your weight loss and fitness goals and maintain them for the rest of your life. The rest of your life. That's Fitness Truth, Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. It's like tiny nails in the air poke my lungs. I start to cough. Did you know your child's asthma attacks can be triggered by things like shower curtains, a blanket, even a teddy bear? I feel like I'm choking. And there are many other things in your home and your child's classroom you may not know about. For the latest information, call 1-866-NO-ATTACKS. Sometimes I... My parents have to take me to the hospital. Help prevent your child's asthma attacks and avoid the emergency room. Call toll-free 1-866-NO-ATTACKS. That's 1-866-662-8822. Or visit www.noattacks.org. I don't want to feel like a fish with no water. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. Let's face it, hormones happen. Whether you're a male or female, hormones have an impact on your overall well-being. Dr. Hart brings to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel timely topics that answer your lifelong questions about hormones in men, women, and teens. Tune in to Optimal Wellness every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Optimal Wellness. Live life well. Live life long. Live life to the fullest. We talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back. I'm Catherine Zox. I am your social worker with the microphone on Voice America Women. And joining me this morning is Dr. David Eigen. He is a Ph.D. and author of the book Men, the Gods of Love, Manhood's Journey, the Gods of Love Courageously Resolves the Conflict Between the Current Stereotypes and Men's Heritage to be the Gods of Love. And before we took the break, uh, David, you gave me a shocker. I guess that your two da- you, 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 you raised two daughters, I raised three sons. That's a challenge mm-hmm. in and of itself. But mm-hmm. uh, the girl said that boys, all they want is sex. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. Everyone <laughs> is shocked at that. I yeah, know we're that. all shocked. Okay, so what okay, else is well, new? 
So, you know, and this, all of this, by the way, is discussed fully in my book, but the, the concept, and I said to them, I said, well, let me tell you the truth. I said, the truth is, that's correct, and at the same time, it's not correct. And, of course, they looked at me going, knowing that there was going to be more to that. And I said, the truth is that men, and I went into, you know, we're not allowed to have feelings. We're not allowed to ask to be held. We're not allowed to say I'm scared and lonely and I just need to have company. We're not allowed to have any of those things. And my daughters go, yeah, they never do that. They just walk around and pretend like everything's fine, even though we we can see they're hurting. And, And I go, okay, so here's what happens with a man who's been told he's not supposed to hurt. He's not supposed to show those things, at least. And, and he's weak and shamed if he does. So he holds it in, and the only avenue of expression for being held and being touched and just having normal human ca- connection, which women are allowed to have all the time. Women can say to each other, oh, I'm feeling lonely, hold me, give me a hug, you know. And, and it's just a, a, a sharing between two people. And women can even ask most of their men for the same thing. Men can never share that with other men, and, uh, you know, immediately you'll think they're gay. Uh, and men can uh, cannot share that with their women. And so what happens is the only expression for all of those needs and, and, uh, and these are normal human needs is sex. So it's sort of like when a man says, I want to have sex with you, you know, he, he often it really just needs a good hug and, and to know it's okay and, and everything's all right in life. So you're but saying, David, that having or sex, especially in these young men, is really a substitute for not being able to show their feelings. And if they were allowed to do that, they wouldn't want to have sex as much or as often. Correct. I absolutely but, know that because I, I was stuck in that mode. Uh, and I got out of that mode, and I, not to say that I'm not sexual, I am. It's just that I don't need, you know, in fact, I say no. I'm just not interested. This is not what I want, where, you know, in the past it was like someone wants to be with me. Well, duh. <laughs> you know, what? <laughs> of course but I'm going to say But I think, yes. David, that women have an advantage. Tell me what you think about this, because when we have babies, there's this just automatic kind of, uh, nat- uh, natural bond with your babies where you kiss and hug and touch and feel so you know you learn that from the beginning um and 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 it's 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 something that that women do so easily i think and and it comes naturally i think from just the mothering which men don't have that experience yes and and that's very true i happen to have had that experience and i was uh, my my oldest was born and like the day she was born i'm i'm have her on my chest in the bed next to my wife at the hospital um and i you know it was i felt a bond being created and we have been uh you know uh, you know connected since then um you know to where you know i'm calling her on the phone and she's like oh my god i was picking up the phone to call you and there you are um you know we are very very close uh both my daughters are uh and and i and um you know i did and have i think that, part and of I that is the because you've had the well, I want to interrupt because I think part of that is not just your need or desire to do that, but you also have to have the social structure that allows you to do that. You are in a hospital where you can lie in the bed beside your wife and have the baby lying on your chest. Thirty years right. ago, you weren't even allowed to be in the room. And right. so right. those things You're have right. changed. Yeah, and that's changed. Even so, you can do that at home, but I think that I know many of my friends who've watched this and whatever – I've seen some of them get very emotionally attached and it really start to open them up. Uh, and I've seen others who didn't want to, you know, they were too afraid to go there because it was like, I don't know what to do. And, you know, sometimes uh, it just requires uh, masculine courage to just sit there and go, okay, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to allow myself to feel anyway. What's your experience and, with some of your, you know, you do a lot of, you know, your therapy, you 
Um, what's your experience with, with some of the men that you've seen? I am sure that obviously some of those experiences helped you to write this book. You've done a lot of research, what, for four years before you actually wrote the book? Well, actually, the book was a four-year process. I've been researching it for ten years. Right. And so the, it took me four years to write this because it, it also included taking apart my own um, uh, paradigm or illusions of reality and figuring out what was real here and what wasn't. And, you know, because it's, it's one thing to say I'm going to change the way I act in, in certain situations. It's another to say it's the whole paradigm by which I am creating those things that I have to change well, to what. So this so was really a personal journey for you. I mean, it sounds like absolutely. it was. Yeah, this was Usually your issue. personal. What kind Usually. of... You, well, let me ask you, what kind of family did you grow up in? Are you the only son? Did you have sisters? Uh, you know, What were the dynamics in your own family? Well, my, I have one younger brother who's uh, almost four years younger, and uh, you know, love was something I had no clue of. And, uh, but I did know uh, I was told often that I was fat, ugly, and stupid, and no girl would ever love me. And, uh, you know, I had, a, you know, my mother has some huge issues. My dad was basically absent, which, um, for whatever reasons. And, you know, so there wasn't, I didn't even know what love was. I had no clue. And I tried to be the man. And I was a bit of a rebel. And I went through these stages of life. And, you know, I tried them all out and say, okay, well, I've done the rebel thing now. That hasn't fulfilled me. And I kept going through different uh, things, careers, whatever, trying to, Experience who uh, what was really life was about, and I would I would be successful at them, and then I go, but this isn't it either. And I kept looking for the the correct partner, correct job, the correct you know uh, you know whatever. Uh, so it was always an external kind of fix you were trying to find. It was exactly. external, yeah. Exactly. And so finally, I said, wait a second, it's not outside, it's inside, and I got to figure out what that is. And I started really looking at that. And, um, you know, one of the chapters in my book is on grieving for men. And it came out of a relationship with, uh, I'm divorced 10 years, 11 years now. And um, But about four years ago, I was in a relationship that ended right around when I started the book. And I was ready to marry this person. And I, it, it broke my heart. And I was having trouble getting letting go of this. And I remember calling one of my professors up, who was a friend and mentor, and I said, what is going on here? And she said to me, um, she says, it's, it's, what you're doing is you're learning how to grieve or you're trying to grieve, but you don't know how. Um, I was going back into an old mode where I would just start dating a lot of people as a distraction. And she says, you know that place? I said, I know, and it doesn't work. That's why I'm talking to you. And she said, well, you, you're going to have to learn how to grieve. And she says, thinking about it, I don't know if men have a way to grieve. Maybe that's why you're uh, going through this so that you can write about it. And I'm going, oh, gee, isn't, isn't that wonderful? So and she was right, and I had to learn what that looked like. And you know, how do men grieve? How do men say they're sad? You know, I went out after that, uh, met a friend of mine at a coffee shop, and he looked at me, and he's used to my energy and my vitality, and my, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm a pretty dynamic kind of person, and I wasn't, I was allowing myself to grieve. And he goes, "What's the matter?" And I go, "I'm grieving this person's name, and um, and I don't need to be fixed." And he looked at me, and I don't know whether he knew what I meant or he just, what, you know, it was like he didn't know what to do with that, but he didn't do anything. He let me do what I did, and I needed to be there for a period of time and learn how to grieve. I had no clue. And well, it's interesting, or maybe it's not, obviously it's it's also not a surprise, but it took this, this woman to be, it was a woman who helped you to go to take a look at yourself. Uh, for Absolutely. The, yeah, and to Absolutely. be able to do that. Um 
So what does that say about our relationships between men and women? Do we have a chance? I mean, you know, you talk about you're divorced, I'm divorced, um, uh, but now have a relationship with someone who, that I've been in with 20 years, and I think a lot of what you say is very true, uh, allowing him to be himself, open up, have his own, you know, to, to, right. to, yeah, to, and, and not be afraid of it, which is really important, not be afraid of Absolutely. his, his uh, showing emotion. Um, and yeah, recognize yeah. that whenever emotion comes up for him, what happens is, is and you will know from just your, your uh, psychological training, is it, it, whatever the situation is, it brings up all of the, the unresolved and repressed energy. So, man, like for me, when I was grieving in that situation, it, we have it thirty like seconds. I hate to say goodbye. I could keep going with you, but uh, we have to we have to close. I uh, understand. Yeah, and I want to make sure that everyone knows that where they can get your book, and they can go to your website too. The men of God, the men, men, the gods men, of the gods of love. Yeah, yes. dot com. Doctor David, right there. Any any of the uh, internet outlets, uh, you know, and uh, the, the bookstores. I don't. It just came out a, a, a month ago. So men, the god of love. Your picture is there. You are not fat and ugly. You're a good-looking guy with a yeah. nice smile and very kindly eyes. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Men, the gods of love, you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone on voiceamerica.com, Voice America Women's Channel. Have a great day, and I'll see you next week.